0: That verse right, John 7, verse 14. Uh, Now, maybe it's an appropriate saying to begin with. Uh, We've probably all heard that saying, never judge a book by its cover. So don't judge the sermon by the beginning. (laughs) But that saying, we're all probably familiar with with that in one form or another. It's a reminder to us to not uh, judge things or base things on how they first appear to us that there is often something more to it. The cover may not look like what we see, and just like it is with people and with things, what we see at first may not be what it actually is or the true depth of what it is. Today's passage reminds us of that same truth, to see deeper than just the surface of things. So let's, let's read this morning from John chapter 7, and we're going to begin in verse 14, where we left off last week, and read through verse 24. So it says, now about the midst of the feast, and of course that's the Feast of Tabernacles we talked about last week. Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, how knoweth this man letters, having never learned? Jesus answered them and said, my doctrine is not mine. But his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God, or whether I speak of myself. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you keepeth the law? Why go ye about to kill me? The people answered and said, Thou hast a devil. Who goeth about to kill thee? Jesus answered and said unto them, I have done one work, and ye all marvel. Moses, therefore, gave unto you circumcision, not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers. And ye on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. If a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken, are ye angry at me, because I have made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day? Judge not according to the appearance but judge righteous judgment let's pray our heavenly father we thank you for the time to be in your word we ask indeed that you would teach us today that we would learn that we would grow and that we would listen to who you are that's who you say you are in jesus name amen so we finish this, this section we're looking at here in verse 24, which says, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. is is, don't judge by what you see, judge by truth. What is true, make your determinations, make your decisions, make your judgments based on what is true. Now, there are so many ways that we could apply this principle in our modern life. And true, we could probably take a sermon and build a whole sermon on how we ought to to do that in this life Um, because we could see so many ways in which that applies because modern life is so tragically superficial in so many ways we we assume far too much about people and about their motives and about what they do or think and we can spend even in ourselves not just looking out and assuming on others but we also spend far too much time cultivating the cover for ourselves knowing that if people look at us superficially, they'll see what we want them to see without seeing the truth of what is within us. But here, when Jesus tells us this, not to judge according to appearance, but to judge by truth, he's not talking about all of those other applications we can make about it. Jesus has one very particular application he has in mind when he says this, and that particular application in mind here is himself. So when we look at Jesus... Do not judge by the superficial appearance or what we see or what we think we see of Jesus. Judge him by the truth and what is actually true. So, I guess, in one sense, the question for our, our sermon this morning is, uh, is this: how are you basing your judgment of Jesus? This is how are you determining in your own mind what you think about Jesus? How are you follow Jesus, who Jesus is. Here, Jesus is then calling us to listen to what he actually says, not what we think he says or what we want him to say. How often does that happen? Somebody speaks to us and what we hear is what we want to hear in what they say, not what they actually said. And this is where Jesus is getting at. The people are listening and they are hearing what they want to hear of him. He's saying, no, you need to listen to what I actually say, who I truly am. Verse 17, uh, towards the beginning of where we start, says, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. If you look honestly at Jesus, you will find the truth. If you look at him honestly, he says you will find the truth. You don't have to assume things about him and you will have spiritual understanding. So remember, as we begin this, as we consider what Jesus is saying here, we're in Jerusalem. We're at the Feast of the uh, Tabernacle, about halfway through here, we're told in verse 14. In the middle of this feast, Jesus stands up in the temple and he begins to teach. And to teach about himself. So, there's such a few quick thoughts I want to share this morning on what we see in these verses. And the first thing that we see right at the beginning here it says, Now, about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. Jesus teaches. He teaches. And as we think about what Jesus teaches, we need to understand or think about the importance of his teaching. The importance of his teaching. As we we learn through the Bible, we understand that teaching the Bible is important. Learning from it, seeing what it says, and just as we see what Jesus is doing teaching here, teaching was a very important part of Jesus' ministry. John uses some miracles of Jesus to tell us who Jesus is, and to this point we've seen five of those. But we know that when John uses the miracles about Jesus, he always follows it up with teaching of Jesus. What did it mean? What are we supposed to see and understand about who Jesus is? Jesus is very often teaching. And so as we follow the, the instructions of God, even from the Old Testament, and Jesus as he lived on the earth in, in the gospels and the instruction of the, the, the epistles through the, the apostles as they write to us, we know that teaching is a very important part of Christianity. We see it in so many different ways. It's, it's part of our core mission. When Jesus left the the earth and ascended back into heaven, he gave us one great commission. And tied up in that commission is teaching. And so one of the the passages, Matthew 28, says, go therefore and make disciples. How do we make disciples? We teach. We teach what it is. Uh, It says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things. So at the very core of what we're supposed to do, we're to follow the example of Jesus by teaching who Jesus is, by teaching the gospel and the word of God. So teaching has always been important to God. The disciple, and what discipleship is, is to pass on what we have learned. J.I. Packer, one of the great pastors of old, says there can be no spiritual health without doctrinal knowledge. We can't imagine that we're going to grow in our uh, spiritual life if we don't look and understand more deeply and listen to what we're being taught. Teaching the Bible is important because teaching is for understanding. Teaching is for us to understand. Why has the Bible uh, seen that teaching is so important for Christianity? One way, I guess, that it's been defined by by other pastors is teaching is the dissemination or the giving out of truth that is assimilated by humans. That is, so teaching is we give out truth so that it can be taken in and applied in the lives of others. That's why we, we teach. We're to spread the truth so that people can learn, understand, absorb it, and conform to it. That's why we spend so much time teaching the word of God. And once the truth is absorbed, so once we give out the truth and we can take that in, once it's absorbed, then we can start to apply it. And see, this is how it works in my life. And this is what I need to do and how I need to change. We see it in the in the book of Nehemiah, one of my favorite places. And uh, no doubt you'll hear me use it as illustrations many, many times. But in Nehemiah 8, the people have gathered together and Ezra has uh, gathered people together and he's standing up on a big pulpit they made and they're reading the scriptures and it says, so they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. So they stood up, he read the word of God, he explained what it meant so that they could understand it and use it and apply it. And in fact, you do, as you see, as they go on, this is where we mentioned this last week with the Feast of Tabernacles. They were reading in the place of the word of God that said the tabernacles, it was read out, they heard it, and they realized we ought to do it. And they immediately started building tabernacles to live in and celebrate tabernacles. James reminds us very, uh, very clearly, be doers of the word, not hearers only. So we teach so that we'll go in so that we can do something with it. We often uh, hear people say, you know, when we talk about raising our children or, or, or teaching our children, in many different ways, and, and not just religion, but in many ways, people will often say, well, I'm just gonna let my children make their own decisions. That's, look, I'll tell you straight out, I think that's stupid advice. Really bad advice. Because your children need guidance. We all do. Even as an adult, I need somebody to tell me and guide me in the way of what is right, to help me make the right decisions. So we need to be teaching so that we can understand what is truth. Then, right then, if you've taught and you have given the information, then they have the tools they need to make the decision. If they make decisions different than what you would or how you want, that's another issue, but we give them the tools they need to make their decisions. Teaching is for understanding, because teaching is then for growth. To help us grow, teaching challenges us. Teaching causes us to think. It causes us to consider and to evaluate. You're not everything I say up here and stand and speak to you that's from my mouth you agree with. But as I teach, it gives you the chance to evaluate and say, does that match with the word of God? Does that match what is true, what is right? Teaching gives us the chance to think through things, to evaluate, to consider what is true. If you're going to know who God is and how to live for him, you need guidance. And that's why Jesus is standing up in the temple here and he is teaching the people. See, if I tell you what to believe, But I could get up here and say this is what you must believe and you have to believe this and if you don't believe this then that's it this is what you must believe if I tell you what to believe you will become dependent and then you will become weak but if I teach you and I show you and give you the chance to consider and grow through that then you grow yourself and you become stronger and that is what Jesus does for us He teaches us so that we will grow stronger, so that we can teach others, so that together we will grow stronger, not weaker. So we see the importance of teaching, but in Jesus particularly, we see the authority of his teaching. In verse 15, it continues and says, And the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? One of the things we've seen about Jesus' teaching is that his teaching was powerful. As Jesus teaches, they are amazed at what he has to say. Why are they so amazed? Why are they so amazed? As they hear Jesus speak and teach there in the temple, why are they so amazed? They are amazed because they made assumptions about him. They assumed that this man from Galilee, whose dad was a carpenter, who trained him as a carpenter when he was younger, And never went to any of their rabbinical schools. And never studied the law like they had. Could possibly know anything about the law like they could. He is a hick from a country town who works with wood. And they're amazed that he can even read. Because he's just from the outback. So they say, how how can he do this? How can he speak like this when he's never learned? They're amazed because they made assumptions. They judged based on what they saw of him. They judged based on what they thought of him from the superficial. Today it would be the same as saying, how can, how can somebody have such knowledge of, of the Bible? They've never been to our seminaries. They've never studied like we have, have taught them. They don't know the ins and outs and everything. How could they be so wise in the word of God if they haven't done our program? That's essentially what they're saying. Who gave him authority to speak? He wasn't trained by any one of them. He had Uh, very commonly among them their their way of having authority among themselves. Among the Jewish leaders was to quote one another. Ah, as Rabbi so and so says, and they say, Ah, yes, but Rabbi such and such would say this, and so they would gain authority amongst themselves. Well, they didn't like that. Jesus never quoted any of them. Never referred to any of them. How does he have authority if he doesn't use our authority? Is their thinking. As the old Baptist pastor John Gill says of this, they were astonished at the manner and the method of his teaching, both in the way that he spoke and what he spoke of. They were surprised how well he knew the scriptures. People all over the land recognize this about Jesus. In Mark, and Matthew records the same sort of thing, but in Mark, the people see him and it says, and they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. His teaching was powerful, but they also saw that his teaching was eternal. Verse 16 says, Jesus answered them and said, my doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Verse 18, he that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory. But he that seeketh his glory that sent me, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. The difference between these religious leaders and Jesus was the source of their authority. For them, their source of authority was each other. And Jesus is saying, my source of authority, the Father in heaven. He gives me the authority to speak. He wasn't speaking his own opinions. Wasn't standing up saying, well, this is what I think the law means. This is how I think we should apply that law. He was speaking from himself. He had the authority to say, this is what the law means. This is what it says. This is what it's for. He was speaking what he was sent to speak. What he was given to speak. I have a lot of opinions. And I can quote a whole bunch of people that could support my opinions on a whole range of things. But my opinions aren't important. You're not here to hear my opinions and it's not my job to make you take my opinion. That's not what I'm here for. My job is to help you understand what Jesus said and what Jesus meant by what he said Jesus speaks the wisdom from heaven the wisdom as James describes it but the wisdom that is from above is first pure then peaceable gentle willing to yield full of mercy and and good fruit without partiality and without hypocrisy Jesus speaks eternal truth with the authority of God. One of the reasons we know that Jesus speaks with such authority and with such power is because his teaching was transforming. His teaching genuinely made difference in the lives of the people around him. It's very interesting that the accusation they make of Jesus here, that he's just a dumb man, how can he know anything and speak to us with such authority, is the very same accusation that the people make later to the apostles. When Peter, especially Peter and John, are are preaching, it says in Acts chapter 4, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Same accusation comes to them. They're fishermen. They're just dumb fishermen. How can they speak with such boldness, with such power? Ah, they'd been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus and having been with Jesus, it made a difference. You see, they weren't relying on their own cleverness and they weren't relying on their own knowledge. They were bold because of Jesus. As they spoke about Jesus, as they proclaimed Jesus, they did it with boldness because they had spent time with Jesus. So as Jesus takes his authority from the Father, we take our authority from being with Jesus. When we speak the word of God, when we speak the gospel, we speak with the authority of Jesus Christ. You know, Many Christians are intimidated when we speak the gospel and, and try and witness to people, and we're intimidated by the the knowledgeable people. you are Those who've studied and those who have degrees or, or depth of knowledge in certain fields. And we, we tend to think that we have to be scholars in all areas in order to share the gospel with people who are scholars in their areas. And if we don't think we can match them intellectually, we'll shy away and we won't share what we have because we're afraid they'll pick holes in what we have and what we say. But our authority to speak the gospel, to share the gospel, isn't in us knowing the answers. Our authority and our power and the boldness that we can have to speak the gospel isn't in the fact that I am a scholar in a thousand different fields of the sciences. The authority and the boldness I can have comes from being with Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who has the truly transforming Answer Jesus in his word. So, because Jesus teaches us and he tells us who he is, it is important then that we listen to Jesus' teaching. We listen to what he has to say. Now, as we think about this just for a moment, we need to listen to know him. Verse 16 continues Jesus said to them, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, or is willing to do his will, or chooses to do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. We need to listen to know him. If we're going to listen to know him, that means we seek to truly know him. Seek to truly know him. The people were astonished at Jesus here because they hadn't truly been listening to Jesus. They hadn't truly been listening to what he had to say. See, they knew what they wanted to believe. They knew what they wanted to believe about the Messiah. They knew what they wanted to believe about spirituality. What they wanted was if Jesus was truly going to be the Messiah, what they wanted was him to confirm what they already believed. That's what they were hoping for. We want a Messiah who is going to save us, rescue us, to do everything we want. If Jesus is the Messiah, he will confirm what we already believe. And Jesus didn't do that. Jesus says what you believe was wrong. You need to listen to what I'm actually saying. Not just listen so that I will confirm what you want. Jesus says there in verse 17, If you want to know the truth, then choose to truly know who he is. To seek who he truly is. If any man will or have the desire or choose or is willing to do God's will, you will know the truth. This is how will you know he's telling the truth? Submit to seek him. If I want to know if Jesus is telling the truth, I can't go saying, if you're telling the truth, you have to confirm what I already think. We have to go to Jesus and say, if I want to know the truth, I have to hear what you actually say. Who you actually are. This is what he's saying. If you want to know the will of God, if you want to know what God wants, you have to submit and listen to him. Truly seek who he is. You're not going to know truth if you reject Jesus just because he doesn't fit your expectation. We must acknowledge that we can't rely on our own understanding, but we must seek God's God's knowledge. We must seek to know God, to know Jesus. If you have the desire to know God, to know God's will, if you are willing to find out, he will show you truth. If that's true, then one of the things verse 16 tells us is you ought to receive him. If we're going to seek him truly and see the truth, then in the end, we ought to receive him. He's been sent with authority. He's been sent to speak this message. This is what he was given to do. So if he's been sent from the Father with authority, we ought to receive him. So we listen to know him. Secondly, we listen to follow Understanding and understanding who God is and understanding what spiritual truth is and understanding this world doesn't come by facts. We're not going to understand Jesus. We're not going to know who he truly is simply by knowing the details of his life or who he is. Understanding doesn't come by facts. There's more to what Jesus says. He didn't just say, if you want to know truth, know about me, learn about me understanding. Spiritual understanding doesn't come just by knowing facts. So you're not going to become spiritual. You're not going to know who Jesus is. You're not going to find salvation because you know about Jesus. Because you can tell me all the things about his life. You may even know more facts about who Jesus is than I do, but that's not going to get you to heaven. That's not going to get you spiritual understanding because you know more facts. You know more details. Understanding comes by following. Following. This taking the facts and doing something with them. Understanding that it's not just about what I know, but there needs to be more. If I'm going to understand him, if I'm truly going to understand, I need to follow. And that is the essence of verse 16 and verse 17. It comes by desiring to do God's will. If I want to know who God is, if I want to know who Jesus is, I need to be humble enough to submit and follow what he says to see the truth, to listen to what he actually says. True understanding comes by obedience. That is, I need to submit to Jesus. If you want to know the truth of Jesus, you need to genuinely and humbly seek him. To understand who he is. Now, he's not saying that we get saved by doing. That's not what he's saying here, by doing. Filling your head with facts about Jesus, though, isn't going to get you saved It not going to give you spiritual understanding spiritual understanding comes by submitting to him saying i am willing to truly seek who you are not to lay on you who i think you are and judge you by what i think but to submit myself to follow you to see who you truly are deuteronomy chapter 4 says, but from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. You will find God if you seek him truly. If you seek him for who he actually is. If you humble yourself to God's word, to know it and to obey it, you will find God to be true. So we listen to know him. We listen to follow him. We listen to know God. Verse 18, He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. We listen to know God, that is to know who God is. Jesus is saying to them I'm not here speaking my own opinion and there were ways that they if they were willing to listen to him and follow what he said and look into the old scriptures they could see exactly what he meant by that says I'm not here standing telling you my own opinion I'm not here trying to seek my own glory and exalt myself above everybody else says I'm not like you You're trying to raise yourself up. That's why you quote each other and that's why you put everybody down and that's why you have all these things so that you can feel good about yourself so that people will follow you and have your opinion. says, this is not my opinion. I am telling you what the Father in heaven says. What God has truly spoken. Jesus came and he spoke so that the Father would be glorified. That all could see who God truly is. He came to glorify the Father by saving sinners from condemnation. He came to glorify the Father by declaring who God is. And he did this, he says, without any trace of, of selfishness or hypocrisy. It's that last phrase, the same is true and no unrighteousness is in him says you want it you test me i'm telling you right now i am not speaking myself and i'm not speaking for my own glory i'm speaking to exalt the father and bring sinners to salvation and i'm doing it absolutely purely test me and see there is no hypocrisy in his words listen to know who god is we listen to know god to know god's will To know what God expects. He came so that you could know the will of God. So that you could know truth. So that you could have spiritual understanding. Anyone who truly seeks the truth revealed by God will know it. So that's the promise Jesus makes right here. If you genuinely want to know the truth and you seek him to know the truth you will know it that's his eternal promise if you genuinely want to know god he will make himself known to you you will see him seek him for who he is so finally as we consider what jesus has said here you see that jesus teaches so we need to listen to jesus teaching so that we can grow in jesus teaching Verse 19, it says, Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you keepeth the law? Why go you about to kill me? The people, and that's the crowd, so this is probably the, the crowd, isn't completely aware of the plot around Jesus. They know the disdain the leaders have for him. And so many of them probably aren't aware. say, well, it's not me. I'm not trying to kill you. And so they, the, the people say, Thou hast a devil, who goest about to kill thee? Jesus answered and said unto them, I have done one work, and ye marvel. And that's the work we looked at before, where Jesus heals the uh, lame on the Sabbath day. Moses therefore gave unto you circumcision, not because it was of Moses, but of the fathers. And he on the Sabbath day circumcised a man. Right, so he says, now you're making a choice, right? So the Sabbath, you're not supposed to do any work. But what happens if you have to do something to keep the law on the Sabbath? To keep which one keeps the law and which doesn't? How are you going to do that? But you do it anyway, don't you? If somebody needs to follow the law on the Sabbath, you you do that. And so he says, well, there you go. So he's pointing out some hypocrisy on their part here. From there, and says, if a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken. Are ye angry at me because I have made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day? Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Say, you're going to try and do the right thing on the Sabbath day. So why would you get angry at me for doing the right thing on the Sabbath day? I'm doing God's will in God's way, just as you were trying to do God's will in God's way. So here, as he shows us this, we need to learn to understand. And to learn to understand, the first thing Jesus does here is he corrects their misunderstanding. It corrects how they have misunderstood Jesus teaches so that we can know the truth and be transformed by it. That means we must be confronted by truth. So Jesus puts the truth out there and the truth makes them angry. Because they are confronted by their own hypocrisy. So we have to recognize that what we currently think, what we currently believe isn't true. So if I'm looking at Jesus and I'm basing what I think about Jesus on what I think about Jesus and how I want Jesus to be or my own expectations about Jesus, when I look to find Jesus, I'm going to be confronted by my misunderstanding and I'm going to have to recognize I'm wrong. I'm not seeing the true Jesus, I'm seeing the Jesus I want to see. We have to see deeper. We have to go beyond the surface. And so verse 19, did not Moses give you the law and did none of you keep the law? Saying you're not in a position to judge. You can't judge me on whether I'm keeping the law or not. You don't keep the law. So don't place your burdens on me that not even you can keep. You're judging me by a standard which is not possible. You're making things what they cannot be. They were blinded to their own failings. And he points out their hypocrisy. Now, any time that we come to seek who Jesus truly is, we're going to be confronted by our hypocrisy. And our first reaction, very much like the Jews here, is anger. No, that's not me. But we've got to submit to see what is Jesus actually saying and what have I actually been believing. Am I believing a surface picture that I want to believe And I need to go deeper to see who Jesus truly is. And that's where he's taking us. We have to learn to understand, which sometimes means we have to correct our misunderstanding so that we can deepen our understanding. So we can come to know more truly. Jesus isn't here just pointing out the bad things. And it's the same with the gospel, and it's the same with all things. Jesus isn't just pointing out to us saying, you're filthy, vile sinners, you're horrible people. I don't know why I created you, you're awful. So that's not the point, and it's not what he has ever done, just pointing out how bad we are about things. But he's leading us to see the truth. He's calling us to see that we need to submit to his teaching and follow him, that there is a way out of the problems we are in. So in Ephesians, Paul prays for the church at Ephesus. And it's one of the most beautiful prayers in all of Scripture. And as part of that prayer, he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints he doesn't just want us to see how bad he are. he wants to see the deeper aspects of that he wants us to learn so that we can grow in our understanding of who jesus actually is and so we need to learn to discern to judge to discern what is right what is wrong what is true what is false so that we will learn to see beyond the superficial that we won't judge based on appearance or on our superficial understanding of what we think Jesus is, but that we judge things according to truth, what is actual. Now, when we submit to Jesus and his word, now we have a standard to judge by. Now we know what we are truly looking at, and the true Jesus. So again, the question comes to us, what are you basing your judgment of Jesus on? Are you considering Jesus' claims based on what he says? Or are you assuming things based on what you want to believe? Or even what others think you should believe? What others have told you you need to believe? Through the Bible, God is teaching us about himself who he truly is. So we need to listen. We need to listen to what he actually says, not to what we want him to say, not what we think he will say, but what he actually says about who he is and why he came. And if we genuinely want to know the truth of Jesus, submit to his word, And he has just made us a promise. If you want to know who he is and you submit to hear him in his word, you will find truth. That is his promise. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come to your word and to hear you speak of yourself. We have had but only a couple of minutes to consider your words when there is great depth in the word of God. But let us hear these words this morning. That if we want to know who you truly are, if we want to know spiritual understanding, if we want to know what salvation is, you will show us that if we seek to listen to what you truly say. So help us today, dear God, to be humble to your word, that for those that are here perhaps this morning who don't know you as their savior, that today, in their desire to know who you are, that they would submit to see you for the truth of who you are, and that they would see that you are indeed the son of God, the savior of all who believe. And for those of us who believe, dear God, we ask that you would help us also to continue to see the truth that as Paul prayed for the Ephesians, so it might be true of us that you would enlighten us and deepen us in our understanding of the very one that we believe. Because the truth is just as right for us, that when we submit to your word to follow you, you will show us truth. We pray these things in Jesus' name.